Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Welcome to today's edition of the Exploring Mining Podcast, featuring stock news from TSX, TSXV, CSE, ASX, NASDAQ, and New York Stock Exchange mining companies, plus interviews with CEOs and leading experts. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us again on the Exploring Mining Podcast, featuring an exclusive interview with Terry Lynch, CEO of Power Nickel and founder of Save Canadian Mining. In this interview, we start the conversation with the initiative for Save Canadian Mining and how to get involved in helping markets for juniors against predatory short selling. We move into discussions about Power Nickel, personally to me an exciting nickel story in the junior space here in Canada. Power Nickel trades under the symbol PNPN on the TSX Venture. We speak about what makes Power Nickel a standout junior with some amazing technologies behind them and strategic partnerships to help them go the distance. Terry speaks about their 2023 drill results and plans for drilling this year. As a reminder, this podcast may contain forward-looking statements and investors are reminded to do their own due diligence. Enjoy the show. Terry, welcome to the show. For listeners that aren't familiar with your background in mining, can you talk to us a little bit of how you started in the mining sector and how you started Save Canadian Mining? Sure. So I uh, started really as an investor, been an investor for you know pretty much since it was like, I don't know, shortly at a university, I guess, and they started to... Uh, Got the Hamlow discoveries and stuff like that, and it was pretty exciting. And you know, made some money, lost some money. <laughs> like most people, you don't really know what you're doing. But yes, yeah, so we got the mining bug, and sort of been always an investor. And then uh, about uh, maybe, I guess, 12 or 14 years ago, a friend came to me who had made an investment in a mining deal and uh, uh, needed some help getting some, you know a board member on, so I helped him out with that. That became the predecessor to Power Nickel, and uh, we ended up, uh, you know, the people that were running at the time were, you know, typical sort of, you know, they actually had a, a decent project in Chile, and, and they, you know, went at it more as promoters as opposed to really trying to develop it, and, uh, you know, anyway, they, they, they um, we ended up having to sort of do a proxy battle to oust them, and, and, and then we, we took over back in 2011, 2012, and it was sort of careful what you wish for because, you know, we we liked the properties and, and felt that, you know, they would be ultimately, you know, bonafide. But, uh, you know, then mining just went into a tailspin, as you know, back at that point. And then it was just, you know, it was just uh, been a very tough, um, you know, 10, I guess, almost uh, going on 15 years now uh, process. 
And but we always believed in the properties. And then and then when we started to lose a little confidence in Chile, we um, we moved down into uh, you know getting the projects in BC. And then ultimately our big project was we acquired three years ago in in, in the Nazca, Quebec, the nickel project called NISC. And uh, that's really been what's uh, transformed the company and and uh, you know our whole uh, whole approach. Now, say Canadian mining, we started uh, about maybe almost four years ago now. PDAC, we started at PDAC. Four years ago, this PDAC, and uh, we started it because we just felt, you know, I, I was there on a Sunday uh, with all my booth mates, you know, the other, you know, CEOs of, you know, junior uh, explorers, and there was nobody there. I mean, like you could have shot a cannon through the place. <laughs> we thought it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, then until it come now. But you know, I remember saying to the guys, I'm saying, God, I can't believe it. You know, there's, there's nobody here, and they said, Well, you know, finally they're charging twenty bucks a head to get in. And I thought, You got to be kidding me. You know, because it used to be free to go to the, the investor exchange. And then I thought, well, you know, it's just, you know, there's so many, you know, emails you get from PDAC on various things. And, you know, you just never have enough time. And it was like they, they said that all of a sudden they were going to charge, even though we were paying. Anyway, so that was frustrating. And I thought to myself, well, and they, they don't really focus on the key thing, which is we can't raise money. We can't raise money because of the games that are being played in the financial market. And I thought, well, you know, if they're not going to do it, then somebody's got to. And honestly, thinking about getting out of the business, and I, I just thought, you know, before I go, I should try and change this one thing, you know. And and uh, not knowing how hard it would be, I naively tell you, really, I, I talked to Eric Sprott and a few guys, and and we we decided, well, we we tried to put this together and stop this, what we saw as uh, you were initially we were campaigning really for the tick test to get that reading stated because we thought that that would stop the short selling. Which it, which it would, but uh, you know, then as we got into it, it became you know became you know the, the, it's like an onion. There was another layer and another layer and another layer of uh, of uh, problems, and uh, you know we've been trying to work our way through them over the last you know three years plus. It's uh, really not been successful, honestly. Uh, I gotta say, uh, we've made some exposure gains, I guess, but I think in the last few months there's been some legal precedents set in the U.S that will ultimately come up here that is going to allow us to make some changes because now for the first time ever the banks who are ultimately providing the the gateway to these you know offshore hedge funds that are are doing the predatory short selling they they're now going to be held responsible and that's a game changer and and I don't think you know people realize that maybe even the banks don't but that's what our our job now is to make them aware hey guys you you've got a ton of exposure here you almost killed the industry by allowing this to happen, and it's time time we stop this because the only the money isn't to be made in the short side anymore. The money's to be made in the long side. So I think you know there's a chance of uh, you know if everyone pulls in the right direction here that we can actually turn this around. It doesn't have to be a sad story. It could be a great story. It could be the greatest story ever, really, because there is such value in mining right now. The problem is, um, you know, I just got out from with a seasoned mining investor just 15 minutes ago. And he's saying, you know, I really want to invest in your deal, but he said the market's telling me no. You know, and I was saying, well, and and that's and he says, and he says not just you. There's a lot of deals like that. I said, John, you're right, but I I said, you know, you got to back the deals that are going to become mines because mines eventually get paid, and so that's our that's the moral of our story in Power Nickel. But you know, it it sort of speaks to the whole problem. Regular investors in the space have been uh, scared away by the market, and that's really not good for anyone. And it's desperate for the, the miners. So, uh, you know, we've got to sort of dig in our heels here now and, and turn it around. And thankfully, 
the courts have given us a, a bit of a window, and we've now got to get our industry association, PDAC, needs to come, you know, and and support its uh, its members. Well, the members are going to have to do something about it, you know, because uh, there's no uh, there's no rolling over anymore. We're at death's door if we need to stop it now, and if we stop it, and there's every reason to believe we can, then we'll have the biggest mining boom in history, and everyone will be happy. Well, I applaud the effort and the campaign for it. I was uh, on your website and the press release where you talked about the fact that Canadian mining companies contributed $2 billion less in economic activity since the repeal of the tick test in 2012. I mean, that's a huge number for the sector. Um, have you had from feedback from a couple of the, the talks that you had with Eric Sprott of some of the investors in the junior space and what their feedback is? Yeah, I mean, we, we had obviously the, um, you know, the Black Friday event we hosted, you know, we had uh, a ton of people on the call and we had a lot of people listen to the, the, the tape. And over 160 meetings requested as a result of that where people need to get more information about how they can help and, you know, what, you know, what it means. And so we're trying to do that. And of course, now the challenge I've got is I got a full-time job and then some with power nickel because we've got a very exciting nickel discovery <laughs> that we think can be a mine and we're, we're busy than hell on that. And Safe Day Mining is a volunteer. There's no snap. There's just you know, a group of us volunteers trying to, you know, change, uh, you know, these draconian rules. Yeah. So, but we're, we're going to try and put together some, uh, some good, uh, content for the companies so they can explain things to their shareholders. And that can also uh, begin to pressure the regulators. Like we went out for Power Nickel, we went out and we we hired Share Intel, which is I, I think one of the other new breakthroughs in the space is there's actually evidence that you can collect that's not hearsay. So this is not like hey you know you know Terry's got you know a silver hat in his head. He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist, and you know <laughs> you know that, you know you'll hear that. But the reality is no no I'm not a conspiracy theorist. In fact. You know, if anything, I'm, I'm very much a realist, but I've gone out and got evidence now. Evidence has been used 10, 11 times in a court of law. One, that's one settlements for these, these firms, serious settlements, like 10 to, uh, you know, you know, basically 10 to 100 million in settlements. And so that's serious money. This evidence basically shows that for our case, that, you know, we, we, almost 10 million shares are short in about 80% of the market that they can get their hands on because you can't get your hand on 100% of the data. You can get 80% of the data, but the data comes from Broadridge, CDS, TSXV, unimpeachable sources. So this has been used as evidence many, many times and never been not accepted. So, so this is not hearsay. This is a fact, you know, and, and what they say, you know, the, the most learned litigators in the space say that in the uh, you know, 20% that we don't get, that's really the direct market access. That's where all the real shenanigans go on. And it's much worse there. So if I've got 10 in the 80%, it's probably two or three times worse than that other. So it's a significant problem. And that's just, it's not just power nickel. I'm just the first one that's got this evidence, you know, for mining. But there's there's other miners are, are about to do it because it's, they're now realizing that, hey, we got to do this. And soon we're going to get 20 guys together with this evidence. And then it's going to be, hey, how do you deny that? There's 20, we could probably get 200. It's a serious problem. There's There's no question about it. And the regulators, unfortunately, they live in an echo chamber. They don't want to believe that their system doesn't effectively place it, so they 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 don't want to see any of the real evidence. They they just look at their own numbers. And say, oh, well, look at this, you know. But I mean, their their evidence, the, the numbers that they get. We told them this right off the get go when we made the submission to uh, the Ontario Task Force review of the you know securities industry in, in Canada. We said, like your your uh, your collections of your data is antique. 
doesn't doesn't provide transparency, doesn't show the information, and even that showed there was a short problem. They said it wasn't, and after much harassment, I finally got that information, which I had to swear in a secrecy I wouldn't disclose, but I did make it into this public document, which eventually will be disclosed, and it'll show that even their own uh, information, IROC was at the time, now it's called Ciro. Yeah, the short selling in, in these small cap names is a problem. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at and say, TSX fees at its all-time low, other than that dip in the pandemic, and the markets on the uh, commodity side are almost at a high. So what's wrong? Is is you know there's something wrong? You know the Australians are kicking butt out there. They're they're raising money and they're they're doing much better than we are. Something's radically wrong in Canada. We need to wake up. So for any of the um, companies that want to join the initiative or any of the investors that want to help support, uh, where can they reach out or where can they find some information? And- yeah, so so you can go to safecanadianmoney.com and, and sign up there. You can contact me at terry at safecanadianmoney.com if, if you're you know, one of the companies and, and I'm happy to, you know, to help you in any way I can. Just, you know, help everyone to learn that they can actually engage, get evidence for their bone cells and, and begin to protect yourself because what we've done by filing this with Ciro and what we did before we filed with Ciro and, and FINRA in the U.S. is we sent these seven investment banks who have the shorted, you know, over, you know, had ne- what is called a negative trade imbalance. The first thing we did was we said, hey, we've, we've found this negative trade imbalance, you know, which is unimpeachable. It's absolute hardcore data. Can you explain it in some other way? Because this doesn't, doesn't reflect in the short report. It doesn't reflect in anything we can see out there officially. So if you've got some other rational explanation, we're open to hearing it. Otherwise, you, you've got some guys that are offside in your book and you need to close that out. So we sent out 14 letters over a period of months, two responses, mostly bogus responses, but we responded and said, hey, it's not like that. It's like this and nothing to those. So, so ultimately, we gave these people a chance to do the right thing. And, and they, at this point, they still haven't. But now we're saying to the regulators, okay, regulators, we, 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 we tried to solve it as one should do before you get into the regulatory thing, deal with people straight up, which we've done. They didn't respond. We got the evidence. Now you guys need to do something. Now, do I believe that regulators will do anything? No. I honestly don't. These guys, they, they, they basically, it's like putting a fox in charge of a chicken house. It doesn't make sense to me to be self-regulatory in the financial community. I think it's an absurd concept. I think we actually need to have proper government uh, oversight of that and take the bankers out of the game because uh, you got a bunch of ex-bankers regulating bankers. How does that work? They just see things from their own echo chamber. They don't see things from the investor's perspective. They don't see things from the uh, perspective of the uh, companies. You know, they, they talk a good show, but they don't really see it. And uh, the proof is in the pudding. As I said, TSXV, all-time low. Commodity markets nearing, nearing an all-time high. That's all the evidence I need. I uh, I love the initiative, and uh, I was always taught to write letters when you have an issue with a regulatory body. Since I was probably six, <laughs> I think that it will resonate with a lot of people. What you're doing, and uh, I think hopefully a bunch of companies will join this year, and you know we can hopefully see some change. I want to switch over now to talk about Power Nickel. So for some of the followers that are maybe new to the story, can you just give us a general overview? of the company and your project? Yeah, for sure. So Power Nickel is basically all about developing the Canada's next high-grade nickel sulfide mine in uh, Namaska, Quebec. So we just uh, posted our, our inaugural 43101, about 7.2 million tons, you know, 1.13% or so nickel EQ. 
a pretty high grade, and we think the grade's going to improve. Amazing locations, literally off the highway in Namaska, which is uh, uh, Namaska's about just a little south and east of James Bay. So it's the seat of the Cree government. Uh, Quebec is, is arguably the best place in the world to be uh, looking for critical minerals. Three big reasons. One is infrastructure. So as I said, we're located off of like Route North. Across the road is Hydro-Quebec substation. So power and roads right there. We're eight kilometers outside of a town of Damascus, which has got a uh, air, regional airport and is, is also the seat of the Cree government. And, and like our, our drillers, when they finish at night, they go and they stay at a beautiful hotel that's owned by the Cree. And we... You know, working closely with them, the, the, Cree, the James Bay Cree are very pro-business and pro-mining, and they've got a, a number of initiatives, uh, you know, to take advantage of that. And uh, we're working closely with them. And that's the other thing Quebec's done a great job with is working with the First Nations to make sure they see the benefits of mining and that they get a piece of it. So that's good. So there's very little community risk there. And then the third thing is, of course, the, the amazing fiscal incentives that uh, you get in Quebec. So we've done a number of what we call them two-for-one exploration deals, where we we raised money at uh, we just raised money at 50 cents. The stock was around 24 or 23. You know what happened was Quebec-based investors invested 50 cents. We bring back in investors at 25 cents. It was a unit deal, so 50 cents and a half warrant at 50, and they and they and they buy it at 25 cents. They get the share and a half warrant at 50. The company got 50 cents to work with because of the two for one in, in Quebec, but the investor got in at 25 cents, so it's a really great uh, sell for them as well. So it, 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 it and then you got your long term investor in right now as, as opposed to traditional flow through where they take the tax breaks but in you know 120 days when it comes free most likely you're you're getting blasted that stock you know and so you have to get new investors to that point so so it, it's almost self defeating but this one is you get the permanent investor now who's believing in the project and invests in it and rides with it so that's a real benefit for Quebec you can raise money in these tight capital markets. And then uh, they've also done this now for development. So if we were to build this mine, and we think we will uh, in a few years, it probably would cost, you know, say $400 million. Well, a good half of that could come from tax credits from the federal government and the provincial government, 30% from the feds and 25% from the province. So so that's phenomenal, you know, sort of uh, core infrastructure. Uh, the key, I think, for us is that we think this is going to be a really big mine. Like, I would say 10 million tons would be, you know, sort of the minimum mine to get going. So we're almost there. We think, you know, have we been able to count some of our other holes? We probably would have got there, but we, we, we're confident we'll get there shortly. You know, we're still, you know, be drilling in January. We, we used a very neat uh, new technology called ambient noise tomography. And it's uh, a company out of Australia called Fleet Space Technologies. We came across them when um, Talon Metals, which is one of our peer group companies, put out a... Um, announcement they're using them and I thought well what's that I hadn't heard of that before did some discovery and uh, you know I brought my scientific team in they did their discovery and initially were quite you know skeptical but then after two or three meetings we said wow this could be game changer so we, we've used this super sensitive seismic and it's identified a very key signature for our deposit so we're able to follow find that and have had some successful drilling as a result of it and we're about to do the next campaign is really built on it and we think, you know, there's, they've identified, we've got one pod. Uh, we think there's another four pods that they've identified. This first pod's, you know, at 7.2 now. We think it's going to grow to, you know, 10 plus. We think uh, these other pods are sort of, they range from 50% to 60% to a couple of over 100% of the same size. So, uh, you know, there's just a ton of opportunity there. Plus, this is all from surface to 500 meters. And then mostly in, in nickel, it's deeper. 
So nickel like Raglan, or, which is a big mine in Quebec, or Boise Bay, which is in Labrador, uh, or uh, Norilsk, which is the world's only trillion-dollar nickel mine, only trillion-dollar mine that's in Russia, they're all deeper, like 500 meters to two kilometers deep. So there's there's probably likely something very deep there. Plus, you know, we've got a, a ton of PGN, so it's not just nickel. We had a we had a hole where we had eight meters of one ounce PGNs, and we're getting you know almost you know 1.2 you know PGMs grams per uh, per you know per ton uh, with our nickel. So so we're it's a pretty exciting multi uh, multi metallic uh, project. We've got industry in there now, which sort of sort of says that hey, there's something serious there. We have a company called CVMR. They're doing a full feasibility study on NISC right now, and they've invested uh, you know a couple of times, several million dollars. In the last time, it was more than double the market price. You know, um, 90 cents was a buyback, so it was like 45 net. So stock was around 25, 23. So that was a good sign. And and they're 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 working on it, and they basically they have 18 plants around the world, and they make such uh, interesting nickel projects, as, such as uh, the uh, U.S. $100 bill is uh, nickel plated with uh, their nickel plate. They're using their nickel powders, and then the uh, their biggest customer is the U.S. Department of Defense, has two joint ventures with the U.S. DoD, and the um, super collider up in um, Sudbury has. Uh, these multi-million dollar nickel tubes, five nine purity, uh, they made those. So they're pretty much the top technical nickel producer in the world, or certainly amongst them. And they needed a new source of class one nickel. And they believe that power nickel is like the next guy in, in, in the business. You know, So if they like it, and they do, since they've made a second uh, subsequent investment, they potentially could put up the capital stack to build it. So that's one of the things that's unique about us is that you know we don't necessarily have to rely on the market like, you know, I'm irritated and disappointed the market hasn't responded to the success we've had. And eventually, I think it will. But if we have to, I think we can build it with industry. And I think that's in this market, you want to have that comfort to, to know that you can go there. Uh, so that's, that's you know, certainly inspiring. And, you know, we, we say that people, you know, when we're out pitching, you know, power nickel, we say we're the best nickel investment in the planet. And, we, and they say, well, how can you make such a bold claim? And I say, well, it's really the math. You know, so if you look at you know, uh, the tons we've found in our market cap, you know, in high-grade nickel sulfide, and we compare that with other high-grade nickel sulfide peers across the Australia, you know, Africa, you know, Europe, North America, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're trading about 10%, you know, of what we should be. So so that's what makes it such an asymmetric bet. And I think if you're, if you're an investor out there, that's what you want. You want an asymmetric bet that's got value that's shown, and you've got industry that's in the game, you know, so... Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time to be, you know, in our shoes at Power Nickel. And we're obviously obviously fighting through some of these irritants like the shorts, but that's not going to stop this project. You know, the, this project's too good. The ore bodies is too good. It's going to be, you know, a big mine, I think. And uh, it's just a question of whether we'll be able to make the – I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to, in my mind, make a 10-bagger here, but maybe we could make 50, you know, if we were able to get the market to respond the way it should be. But otherwise, we'll have to do it with industry and, you know, we'll just you know, get taken a bit earlier than we'd like. And, you know, that'll be that. But still, it's an enviable opportunity. And, and we're, we're, we're really, you know, stoked about what 2024 has got in front of us. We've got tons of new, you know, drilling coming. We've got the uh, benchmark studies from CVMR, which will be out in early January. That should be a bit of a milestone that should show really high recovery rates. And that'll be very encouraging. 
and uh, you know more. Uh, we're, we're doing the spin out. We're spinning out our copper gold subsidiary, which will be a free bonus, which we think is worth sort of 10 to 15 million, uh, which is almost half of our market cap that we're getting nothing for right now. But we'll spin that out for our shareholders, and that will also be a, a tool to trap the shorts. So uh, lots of good stuff happening. So it's an exciting story, and, and we're uh, looking forward to a great uh, 2024. You seem like a very undervalued stock and current two of the things that you just kind of making my job easy for me that stand out uh, is obviously the ambient noise tomography. Um, if you can go a little deeper into that, just for some of the listeners who aren't really aware of the technology and how that changes the scope of the project and the potential. And then obviously your relationship with CVMR, it's uh, another big standout for your company as well, which, you know, a lot of juniors don't necessarily always have those relationships. So I think those are two very important points. Sure. Yeah, they they really are. I think those are the key, the key points. Uh, the, uh, the ambient noise, basically what it is, is think of it like uh, almost as if you put a little, little landmine on top of the surface of your of your area that you want to explore and you put them in a grid. So you put them in like a 30 meter grid or a hundred meter grid, depending on how, you know, you, how much you want to cover. And then it sends a sound pulse down 2000 meters in the, into the earth and it comes back and it's captured as a sound map. And they basically, and all, and then they ship this information wirelessly because they're connected to a satellite in the sky that Elon must put up for these guys, SpaceX. And they basically process it up there in, in real time and they send it back down and they basically, correlate that you know using ai and other you know techniques algorithms etc to basically they they look at your all your historic uh, scientific information so of course your drilling data your downhole em airborne em you know gravity ip all that stuff and they basically can you know allow you to have like a 3d visualization of your deposit and it's amazing we've got great structural control was the one big takeaway we got from this was that we were able to see the faults and 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 uh, and the various you know lithography much clearer than in any other technique, and that's allowed us to understand this deposit a lot lot faster. And the other thing it did is it's, it basically showed it, what this uh, super sensitive seismic really does is it measures the velocity of rock. I didn't know they could do such a thing, but that's possible. And it's uh, you know they basically 4,500. DPS, it's an ultramafic rock. Uh, that's where our ore body is in this ultramafic uh, sequence. And and when that goes from 4,500 to 3,700, 3,600, that's where the mass of sulfides, which contains the nickel and the iron, get deposited, and the, the and the platinum, and and the palladium, and and the cobalt, and the copper. And so almost on a one for one basis. So what happens is you know it gave us a bit of a signature to look for. Through the rest of our uh, ultramafic sequence, which is stretches out seven kilometers long, we'd already stepped out from our NISC main five and a half kilometers, and we struck that you know eight meters of one ounce PGMs, you know, at the, yeah, almost at the end of our uh, exploration ground. So showing that that whole area has been charged, so super encouraging. And then so that's why we brought in this technology with the. We thought, hey, we got something big here. We got to go at this, uh, you know, with the the best tech. And so we did, and and they they came back, and while wow, we're just super impressed, and we think that we've identified at least four uh, additional pods to explore, where we can again, like NISC Maine is at 7.2 million tons and growing. Uh, we think we've got multiples of those, and so we're going to go and thus this winter we'll be starting to drill those, so that'll be super exciting. So that's you know the ambient noise tomography, and then uh, you know the, the neat thing about it as we 
drill and get more information, it's iterative. So we'll we'll put it back into the system and then then we'll continue to get us you know better and better looks in the future at, at everything we're doing, and we'll we'll have them back in next summer and. We'll probably do some deeper probes as well, so we can get down deeper and, and see, you know, just what we got going on down deep. But yeah, super exciting to uh, use use that. We actually did a really good podcast with Fleet uh, just about a month ago or so, and it's on our website. You can certainly, for people interested in understanding more about the tech and how it's being used, uh, it, it you can listen to that. That'd be good. With CVMR, you know, they um, there's three ways to make nickel and smelt it. You can use hydrometallurgy or you can use chemical metal vapor process. So the last one is what uh, CVMR uh, is sort of the world's best at. They have 18 plants using it around the world, and it's been around for 100 years. They've been you know, working on it for the last 25. They've been around for a while. It was initially they were owned 20% by Inco, and now that they're, they bought them out many years ago. And uh, many ex-Inco guys uh, work at CVMR, some of their most senior people. And, uh, yeah, they're building plants all over the world, really, uh, Africa, the Middle East, United States, uh, and obviously we hope to get them to come here. Uh, one of the neat things they do is they make powders, nanopowders, anodes, fine wire, and uh, precursors for the uh, electric vehicle space. So they make finished products. And I've learned, this is my first nickel project, I've learned that really, well, nickel miners ultimately end up, you know, when you have a mine, you get paid. But you know who really makes the money in nickel? The refiners. You know, the Glencores and the BHPs, the Valets, these guys are making a boatload of money in refining. And the neat part about the CVR process is they ultimately are a refiner, so they, they make a finished product for us at our site. So the, the difference is, for example, in our 4101 that we just finished, our recovery rate's around 70%. Okay, not fantastic, but it's reasonable. But we expect recovery rates of around 90% with CVR because of making a finished product. So almost 30% better. Not only will we get better recovery on our nickels, you know, and our copper and cobalt and palladiums and platinums, but iron is a waste product in the uh, concentrate that you make for the uh, smelters. So they don't want it, so you have to take it out. But for CVMR, it's a paying product because they, they do iron powders. So that represents about 12% of our ore body. So all of a sudden it goes from being a waste product, which costs you to take it out, to now being a paying thing. So it, they expect that if you're getting X from uh, your revenue for your, your concentrate, they're going to get you two and a half to three X. So at, at almost no additional cost. So that's going to be transformative, you know, really. And, and uh, it's, you know, we're looking forward to bringing those numbers to life and everything's in that in uh, starting really in uh, January, the uh, uh, benchmark numbers that will come out. So, yeah, CVMR is a super uh, great group to work with. I'm, looking, I'm heading over to run by, a, owned by a Saudi family, Saudi, but he's Canadian. He's been here for many years. They've, they've run uh, CVMR out of Toronto. I met him through a banker friend of mine, and I, I had never heard of him. And, you know, most people hadn't, but, you know, clearly, uh, you know, you, you don't get to print the U.S., to make the U.S. $100 nickel plate, I expect, uh, unless you've uh, Pass some sort of serious uh, tests, and you don't get to be <laughs> have two JVs of the Department of Defense and and Lowheed Martin and you know all these uh, big defense contractors unless you you're really good at what you do. Yeah, they're they've been really great to work with, and we're looking forward to continuing to advance that uh, uh, program going forward. And we expect after we do the benchmark studies in and release those in January, we'll do a 
podcast with CVMR, just like we did with Fleet, so we can, you know, help our um, shareholders get to know them better and understand why they like NISC and why they, they see a future in it. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, technology and good partnerships. I mean, that's always good to see with a, a mining company. I wanted to jump in. Can you talk a little bit about your management, and then we'll go into capital structure after. Yeah, so uh, management-wise, you know, we've kept it pretty lean um, because, you know, I think it's been my experience in investing that the guys that put the money in the ground, the management teams that put the money in the ground, ultimately you got to make the discoveries first, and then you sort of staff up afterwards. If you do it the other way around, you never really make the discoveries because you just burn out, you burn out of cash. Uh, so we've kept it pretty lean, but what we did to, you know, accommodate for the, the science that you have to do in this business is we went out and we hired the best consultants. So, so we, we, for us, for example, we used a company called GeoVector, Joe Campbell and Adam Finley and, and Eric, uh, the team, they've just been amazing. They, they're, uh, Joe's a bit of a legend in the industry, uh, lots of great success stories. And they, they are basically our, uh, they 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 sit on the rigs and execute the drill programs for us and they've been phenomenal. And, uh, the first uh, the guy who's our VP of uh, exploration, Ken Williamson, he uh, was the first geologist on the project. He actually modeled it when we when we first bought it, and uh, he was an independent consultant at the time. Did a great job modeling it. Obviously, it succeeded. We had seven of eight holes hit, so he had a very good theory of what was happening up there. Has worked extensively in that region. And so I brought Ken in because he's a francophone and he understands the lay of land there very well. And he sort of manages, you know, GeoVector for us. And, you know, we, we really work closely that way. So our science team is deep that in that in, in that layered respect. You know, obviously, we've got a very good board, a uh, very experienced board. Our chairman is uh, ex-major uh, corporate lawyer, you know, Greg uh, McKenzie, Used to run Haywood uh, at the MD and runs now a silver mining company. So extensive mining experience. Les Mallard, one of our bigger shareholders and a very successful businessman. So really good, practical, hardworking uh, investors, really. Uh, the board owns about 4%. It's so always a good sign. And, uh, yeah, so they've kept us on our straight and narrow and, and focused on, you know, pouring the money in the ground and then trying to, you know, demonstrate value to the market and to the industry so that they could, you know, come forward and support it. Because obviously it takes a lot of money to develop a mine. And, you, you know, and that happens when you prove to them that you've got an ore body. And I believe we've done a very good job of proving that we've got a very significant ore body and the team's done a, a good job of, uh, you know, making that happen. So we're about 145 million shares outstanding right now. About half of that's owned by uh, the Lynch family's been the, the biggest investor. Critical Elements owns about 10%. They own, you know, uh, we, we, we farmed in, so we own 80% of the deposit. They own 20%, and uh, they're a great group of guys to work with. Stern Family owns 10%. BT Global and Palace Capital own each about 3%. CVMR now owns about 4%. And recently, Rob McEwen stepped in for about uh, 1.5 or so percent. It's obviously a very knowledgeable mining investor with a group of economists to get him in the deal. So uh, so collectively, we have a board owns about 4%. So more than 50% certainly in the, the uh, core group. And significantly, I, I think the last several financings, those have been the guys that have been writing the checks. So the guys that know the deal the best are, you know, even writing more checks. So uh, both a sign of the times, but also a sign of their confidence. You know, that's, that's been good. Those are great names to have behind you. 
I wanted to just go back. You mentioned that you had your new 43-101 out. Uh, can you just talk to us a little bit about some of your uh, recent drill results from 2023 and then talk a little bit about what your drill program is for 2024? We had a, you know, it had some amazing uh, holes. We had like 40 meters of 1.6% nickel EQ. I followed that up with 10 meters of almost 3% nickel EQ, 16 meters of, of 1.6%, 15 meters of 1.5. Yeah, so we've had... We, we call it the river of nickel and we sort of showcase it on our PowerPoint, you know, we sort of show how it, it flows, you know, and it, it, and like all rivers, it, you know, it, it uh, it's wider and, and narrower and thicker and, and, and deeper, but generally it's been pretty consistent. So it's been a really sort of neat little ore body and we, we think it's getting better at depth. That's what our drill results show. And so we're, we're continuing to sort of explore a depth on our NISC main. And then, you know, we, uh, uh, when we go back in January, we're, we're just finishing off a couple of deeper holes at, on our NISC main, and then we'll be drilling uh, where, we, where we had that really amazing PGM uh, hole where we had you know eight meters of uh, the one ounce PGMs. Uh, we didn't follow that up because it was a was a winter target, uh, and it was that was at 60 meters of depth, so it was very close to the surface. So we'll be doing some several step out holes there, and then we're going to be testing um, you know some of our new targets. To two and uh, and three, and we'll we, ambient noise tomography two and ambient noise tomography three. Not exactly how the original names, but but it was just like you know easy easy enough for us to, to describe them. And uh, and then we'll see. You know, we're hoping that we can strike another pond. You know, which would I think really be uh, exciting. And you know, the neat part you know in this business is obviously everyone waves their arms around, so you know I've got. But the next drill hole is going to find the big big one, but you know, often in most cases it doesn't. The reason why we spent so much money on the ambient noise was, and all the other science that we've used was to try and de-risk the drilling as much as possible. We've hit on, on our drill holes somewhere between 50 and 60 percent have been successful. That's really good. So it speaks a lot to the ore body, but also speaks to the scientific preparation that we've done with it, and we feel really stoked about what we see in the future. Uh, of the exploration of this thing, we think there's going to be a number of uh, big discoveries in 2024, which will open up new pods. And you know, we think by the time we get through 2024, we could be easily double or triple our size in uh, in what we've got discovered, and still a lot more to come. So I, I think this is going to be a you know, we think the Lynn Lake was 22 million tons, Ultramafic, Boise Bay was plus 50. Uh, we think we'll be somewhere in between there and towards the top end. So that would make this a, you know, uh, at the end of the day, a multi-billion dollar project. And, you know, that's what we see for it. You know, that's, that's what we've always seen. That's CVR, CVR, I think sees, you know, we just got to, I guess, uh, fight our way through the market and get the market to sort of see this. And, and then uh, I think this thing is spring loaded. And, and when it runs, it's, people are going to say, ah, oh, God, I can't believe I didn't get in. Kept telling me to get in and it's so good. <laughs> it's like, you know, but, but, you know, the, I, you know, the charts were not perfect. And I say to people, you know, forget the damn charts. This is not Tesla you're buying. This is like, this is, you got, when you see something that's going to become a mine, buy it and own it. And, you know, and when it takes off, you're going to be bloody thankful you did. You know, the, the you can't trade this like, like uh, Tesla or Apple or Google or Facebook, you know, and, and do these intricate sort of option strategies that all the TikTokers talk about. That's just not possible in junior mining. Junior mining is a different beast. You, you, what you, what you, what you got to do is look at things that are going to become a mine and 
back those. You know, and I, I it was funny. You know, I asked Eric Sprott. I said, as we were working on Save Game Mining, I said, so Eric, I said, how did you get, become so wealthy? I mean, what's the secret there? You, I mean, obviously you're getting to see every decent gold project in the in the world coming to see you first. Uh, and he said, no, you know, he said we checked. He says I'm actually an actuary. That's my background. So he's I back tested this, and he said that you know it wasn't the first uh, steps that made his fortune. It was the second and third. He said, he said, boy, he said after the second or third investment in something, he says I know these things are going to become mine. And then I said I want to own twenty percent of them until they're mine. And he said that's where I've made the money. And I'm, so you know it's interesting. You know the, there's a super probably you know our best mining investor, and he, that's his principle. So that's like pretty sound. Yeah, so, so find something that you think is really going to be mine and buy it and hold it, you know, and, and don't be worried about these swings, you know, and obviously buy what you can afford and, you know, and be patient. Like you got to, that if you, if you need something to, you know, work out for you the next month, probably not junior mining, you know, because yeah. that's really, like you may as well go to the, you know, the craft office or the, you know, to the uh, casino and, you know, take a shot at, you know, red or black. I think if you've got some patience and if you're contrarian, now is, there's probably never been a better time to invest in junior mining. I think we're going to get ourselves out of this short problem because I think they've just become exposed because of this liability thing and because there's now new evidence that shows the malfeasance of these guys. And plus, guys like me have woken up. We're waking up a bunch of other people that will wake up a bunch of other people. You know, we're having podcast interviews like this. Northern Miners doing stories. This is becoming its own thing. It's going to take on its own thing. And because it's such a a black and white problem. It's like nobody's denying, you know, only guys denying it are the regulators and the politicians because they don't know what to do about it. And it's really simple. You got to stop the bleeding where it's at, guys. Stop the bleeding. You know, so you say, hey, in six months, the rules are going to be like this. That gives the creeps time to unwind their positions to get to the long side. And really, that's where the money's going to be made. But that's what they need to do. They need to sort of stop the bleeding. And, you know, we don't expect them to change it overnight because the system probably couldn't handle it. But let's let's at least stop the bleeding, you know, going forward because it's just insane. Great advice for investors out there. And I love your enthusiasm about uh, juniors for this year and for Power Nickel. I mean, you obviously tick a lot of boxes. If I was an investor, look, taking a look, you pretty much have everything you need. For investors or following that wants to reach out, uh, where can they find you? For sure. So very uh, reachable uh, through our website. You know, there's, we uh, we actually do some, you can use Calendarly to set up calls. Either I take calls sort of on, on Friday uh, mornings. Uh, Duncan, uh, our IR guy, does, uh, has a broader schedule. that He does calls with investors that you're interested. Uh, we're pretty transparent. We're, we're, we're very reachable. And then we do a lot of uh, podcasts, you know, try and keep our uh, community up to date with, you know, what's going on. We're very transparent. I'll be at PDAC, uh, you know, speaking. We'll be exhibiting. Probably we'll be doing some of the, uh, you know, one-to-one type of stuff and CEM and these types of things. We find that more, get more bang for our dollar. Yeah, I think we have, you know, Power Nickel on Twitter. And we're expecting some um, some good research coverage coming out in January. That should be should be interesting. And yeah, the exploration program is really just picking up steam and getting uh, more intel every day as to how good it can be. So uh, I think 2024, hopefully, uh, let's hope that's uh, not a train coming for us, but it's actually sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Terry. This has been fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing the story. All right. Really. Thanks for having us on. And uh, hope you all have a great day. Cheers for now. 
Well, that does it for today's Exploring Mining podcast. If you'd like to be a guest or sponsor for this podcast, please contact InvestorIdeas.com. InvestorIdeas.com reminds all listeners to read our disclaimers and disclosures on the InvestorIdeas.com website. All investment involves risk, and this podcast is not meant to be an endorsement to buy or sell securities or products. To hear more podcasts, you can go to InvestorIdeas.com slash audio. And a reminder, you can also hear our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeart.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.